Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. (laughs) I have been certainly accused of talking about a lot, many strange (laughs) things on the podcast. And uh, today's podcast will be no exception. Uh, Hopefully, by the time the podcast ends, whatever we begin with makes some sense and certainly has with all reverence and uh, due respect intentioned relevance to Jesus Christ and the Word of God and trying to encourage, disciple, build up the body of believers in the best way that certainly I can. And with that, then, what is covenants? Specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry, whatever we might be able to do within that. Specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling. That's sort of an apology. What I'm going to introduce may not on the front end of the podcast, may not even on the finish of the podcast make a lot of sense, but I hope it will and I think it will or I wouldn't do it. Ego death. Now, some of you might have already heard of the term ego death and uh, even so still may not know exactly what it is. Uh, Some of you may have heard of that and are well informed. Some of you may not have heard of that at all. It really is, as with most things, when we initially hear of them, things or uh, ways people kind of put things together, words together in such a way as to describe what seems, when you hear it for the first time, to be a kind of new phenomenon, actually, even as the book of Ecclesiastes would have already well stated, there's nothing new under the sun, but it sounds different, it sounds new, it sounds like something we've never done before, never heard of before. Uh, and we're kind of there with this concept of ego death. Now, what is ego death? Just as the two words, as you put them together into sort of a phrase or a label, I guess it's a label of sorts, it describes the phenomenon of ego, (laughs) identity, self, death, dying. Now again, in all of that, or in that, in its entirety, it doesn't sound all that new, right? (laughs) Because it isn't. Uh, The ego dies every day. And with that then, when the body dies, because the psychology, the ego is part of the body, it too is going to die. So that's not new. Where it may be new or where in hearing it for the first time, maybe having heard it, really not fully understanding it, maybe in some way of awareness even, insight, somebody is several somebodies, (laughs) a group of somebodies has come to finally some sort of awareness of ego death. (laughs) Basically, what it means is that there are certainly natural, organic ways that identity is not only formed, constructed, but it's going to end. 
And with that, as psychology goes, it's a normal phenomenon. All kids, <laughs> when they're born, uh, they're given a name. I don't know if they all live up to their name. Certainly we're forecasting or prophesying somewhat when we give a child a name. It probably represents to some extent our culture. Uh, it may in that way be some attribution, some blessing. But then there's all the genetics in addition to any social dimensions. But somewhere along the way, because of the genetics and the way the human operations God has constructed us, people come to a place of self. And when you get to a place of self, then you have to, whether somebody's told you what to do with it, or told you who you are, or even so gone as far as to try to attempt to tell you what your life is to be about, or what you're called to, uh, it has to be reconciled to what you have been given in terms of physiology, and, and then with that, your own understanding of yourself, and it's not singularly from a primary, it is from a primary source, but a primary source alone. There are many, many social influences that contribute to who we are and the formation of self and identity and therein ego. But the process of trying to figure it out, once you have it even, as it applies to your life, and then once you apply it to your life, you're going to, in some ways, always have to reconcile that with whatever else might be at any particular moment going on in your life, socially, environmentally, could include physical dimensions outside of the social, material dimensions, <laughs> feast and famine, whatever state of the world physically we might be in, it all influences who we are. And then after you would understand the need for that navigation of your life and your life course even and your life journey, <laughs> the expected end in mind, at least once more physically and psychologically, is it's going to die. It's called ego death. Now, what you do with that is yours. It's a choice. And how you put all that together is pretty much still yours and a choice. I do understand that it can be so insidious and by the time that it reaches this state of awareness and insight, when you realize there may be parts of you even that somebody has told you, as in all that telling I mentioned a moment ago, that who you are and what you're to be and you know the expectations... <laughs> <laughs> that we have for you and your place in the world you may also choose to do something different with it and in that sense dismantle the construct of self identity I believe in biblical terms it would have been called the soul but long before any of that took place, God already had something in mind as to what you were to be and what your purposes were and what he's constructed you for. And certainly there is a narrative, a story, and a social influence, hopefully, 
but more than environmental or psychosocial or social in the sense of your parents or the culture you grew up in. God put it inside of you. (laughs) It's more than just genetics, but it's got some dimension of that because otherwise, if it weren't inside of you, it would be most prone to not only corruption, influence of the more environmental, social, the material, but it would be not only corruptible, but could fall into such a state of corruption, you may not be able to get to the real purposes God's called you to, the real reason that he's given you a soul in material dimension, and it would have to be not only yours, you would then reconcile as with everybody else's ideas of who you are, where you should be, but it needs to be also then reconciled with God. But if it were not inside of you at some, in some sort of way, manner, or capacity, <laughs> preserved even, you couldn't find it again. And I do think that, for me at least, is my best understanding of how God does it. He puts his Holy Spirit in us all. He breathes life into us as the Word of God might have described it or would describe it. And then we go through the claiming of our lives, ourselves. And to some extent it does get corrupted or overshadowed by all of these psychological material operations, ego, formation of ego, self only to go through reconciliation initially in holding on to or at least clearly identifying so we might therein hold on to a sense of who we are, our purpose in life self. It's our story, but if we're really going to overcome the material dimension, physiology, psychology included, to the extent we're going to serve God and then serve His eternal purposes and even so reclaim what He's breathed into us, the Holy Spirit, what He's in the Holy Spirit shown us that we're to be, we have to come to Jesus. You claim yourself, you separate yourself from the world around you, and then you experience ego death. (laughs) You give yourself to God. And whether you give yourself to God or not, through Jesus, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're still going to die because ego, really, the human, the material soul, really is not eternal. It's only the divine. It's only the Holy Spirit. It's the divine nature. That is eternal. And once the body passes, if you've not given yourself to God through Jesus Christ and allowed in giving yourself to Jesus Christ, again, ego death, to have life breathed once again, the breath of life, into you, so that that might then emanate from you, uh, you're going to die with the body. (laughs) 
the human soul, the material soul, the mortal soul, has nothing beyond mortality or the material, which always ends up in mortality, ego death. We have nothing more. And you could step back and say, well, it was a good life. It was whatever number of years. And I had a purpose in mind and I accomplished those things as you might, not after you die, but even in approaching your death. But you're still going to die. And though that may be somewhat sanctified that you understood a greater meaning and purpose beside even yourself and you gave yourself ego death to the world so that you might then bless the world as you had been blessed and once more find highest order meaning and purpose, caring for one another, you're still not going to, though, understand that in the manner or way that we do in Jesus Christ. And though it may be about giving yourself to other people, it's still about those serving you because you're the one that came up with the narrative, the script. And when it comes to dying, ego death, it's not going to be any easier because you're going to realize you didn't do anything to save you. You might have given it all away and saved the world, which sounds like a good thing, right? But you don't have any salvation in it. And even so, you gave it to those that if they don't come to Jesus, they don't come to God in Jesus Christ and receive that breath of life again, restored in them. Holy Spirit emanates then. They're from then. They're in from them. They're going to die too. And it really is not sufficient. It seems sufficient, but it isn't sufficient. Maybe a lot of people would even settle for the lesser because they can't figure out the greater. (laughs) And I do think there's a heavenly dimension to all of this. I do believe that God has... Peter, and we're going to go to Peter as our biblical reference text for the podcast today. He speaks of the Holy Spirit being coming down from heaven and given to us. And I believe that. I believe that's how God breathed life into dirt, <laughs> to clay, Adam, which really is dirt. <laughs> that's what the name means. Speaking of something told to someone and Adam and sense of self and identity. He's nothing but dirt. We're clay feet. We're nothing more than that, Nebuchadnezzar, as Daniel would have told him in interpreting the dream. But it is as much then as God gave it to Adam, it's in us. It is in us in the sense too, it's generationally passed on. Every newborn, every soul that therein in human dimension is given permission. Every human is given permission to even come to a self or an identity or ego has in them the breath of life, the Holy Spirit. He doesn't, God didn't take that back. He doesn't deny us that. Simply because we're in in our inferiority and some of us as not understanding all of that that I tried to explain in the front of the podcast choose not to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior 
and then just simply live for themselves. And even if they've lived a good life, they're still going to die and not save themselves and have to face whatever that mortality means to them, which really is nothingness and and ego death. Most of the death thing is more psychologically scary than I think it is even physically scary. The best I understand about physiology is, is most of us, when we face death, there's this wonderful release of biochemistry that really takes all the pain away. Now, nobody can testify to that in a physical sense except Jesus as he's come back from the grave. But I don't know that that is, in a physical sense, the message. The message isn't to preserve your flesh. The message is don't let the preservation of your flesh and selfishness and your fear keep you from finding preservation or saving of your soul. And though altruism is a great concept, that you would lay down your life for another, and some seemingly do that, there is still no real tangible manifestation of any adaptive benefit to that if you don't live again, if you're not resurrected. And though it may not be or could be equally so painful in psychological sense, though it may not be in physical sense, The torment is the psychological dimension, which gets us back to what is covenant's specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry. I have a place. (laughs) Not only encouraging by use of the word of God and with that testifying, and with that a bit of preaching, I suppose, at least studying the Bible, but if I can do anything to sort of comfort anyone In psychological terms, it would be to take away the fear. Ego death is not a bad thing, although we're all afraid of it. (laughs) And some more than others. And with that, in our trying to sort it all out, or trying to figure it all out, we fail to realize the only way to get through it is Jesus. And the only way to really saving the human soul is to die to the human soul so that you might become Christ. And then whatever it is of fear of death psychologically that you might have to face in whatever manner, way, shape, or form. And once again, I don't know that physically death is painful. I think most of what we see in terms of death, even should we have witnessed it, is psychological trauma, which doesn't make it less real, but it isn't even in and of itself material, except that it's psychological, and it's all fear. (laughs) That's all it is, is fear. But to convince someone not to be afraid... And they really not have anybody except Jesus to come back and testify that it's not as bad as you're thinking it is going to be. And the only way that you can really make sure it's not that way is to find security for your the psychology, the ego, to get through it all. That's a bit of a hard sell to somebody who's scared to death and they're in scared of death. Now that was sort of long-winded. <laughs> I tend to be that way, so I apologize. 
but I want to be thorough and I certainly want to capture the best I can the psychology of it, the emotional dimensions, the physiology, the psychological construct, the idea of identity and ego, and why it is so difficult. But as always, <laughs> the Bible is such, so much better, such a better source, such a better way of describing it. I'm going to go there. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise? of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation for this they were willingly or for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world was then or that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also their other scriptures unto their own destruction. 
Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3, 1 through 18. It is hard and difficult to understand when the passage mentions in a destructive sort of way, rest. It's not R-E-S-T, it's W-R-E-S-T in the King James. And what that means is wrestling. It comes from the same root word as to wrestle. But you don't want to fight against it. You don't want to push against the goads or the pricks, as the Apostle Paul, and even so Peter references the wisdom of Paul. Paul learned firsthand. It does not help. You can try to rationalize it. You can try to justify it. You can try to come up with a narrative. You can even try to consciously, intentionally die, ego death, in the most noble of fashions and manners. And to some degree, some are probably with degree better able than others to do such a thing. And even as much cunningly devised fables, many have constructed other truths, or attempted, they're really not truths, but to sell them as truths, as to reincarnation, as to grander and greater schema and purposes, as to altruism and psychological dimensions. There is no easy way to die. And should you not understand the message of the word, living word, Jesus Christ, you are going to get to the end of your life and it's not going to have anything in the way of a reward except what you make of it. And what you make of it is not anything that's going to have any lasting or enduring effect in terms of legacy because in the end, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Even as I mentioned earlier, God made us out of dirt. That's all we're going back to. You could even argue a good bit of what the apostle Peter, what Peter is speaking to, is basically going to happen to you as an individual. You're going to burn up. (laughs) It's just the way it works. When you go into the grave, you... In that burn-up sort of way, that's how your body decomposes or in decomposition and going back to the material elements. There's a fire, it's a heat. (laughs) Go to a compost, compost pile and see if it's warm. (laughs) It is. It's the way it is. That's how it goes. And that may sound a little bit... I don't know, distasteful, (laughs) crass even. I'm speaking of the dead, and not only am I speaking of the dead, I'm speaking of the human. But that's really all that it is. And to misrepresent that is to be false. 
To think that there's a body in the casket, to even try to preserve the body as with embalming, you can't. And whatever it is of the human soul as it is human, whatever it is of human construct, psychology, it's not going to endure forever. It will only endure for the season, for the most part, that you're in. And should there be legacy, and should you even in some ways be part of God's passing, genetically, breathing life, even so, into another soul, or opportunity, for the birth of another soul, and in that way there's a bit of preservation of life, Who are we to believe that the human dimension is all that important in material regard? Because we're going to go the way that everything else does in material regard. There may come a day there's no more humans. And should that sound awful and horrible and disrespectful? I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize. And there's some that, once again, could receive that better than others. And there's some that may wish to die. The rocks would even fall upon them. That in the second coming of Jesus, which I do believe Peter's speaking to that clearly as well, it's not going to be any different because the second coming of Jesus in material regards is going to be much like the first coming of Jesus as with the impartation or the breath of life again. Except this time it's not going to be an individual or every individual to face it. It will be all of us humans. It will be all of the things that we think are going to be eternal and last forever. It just doesn't change. Parsimony dictates I don't need to create a more complex, cunningly devised, once more fable to explain it. I can just... Watch people around me die. I know what happens to their body when they die. I know what happens to their human soul when they die. I know that life is finite when it comes to material reference, even if it seems infinite. And to some extent, immaterial reference, it is infinite because when you go back to the dust... Something else will take whatever you were and be able to use it or God will use it as they will then need it and it will be useful to new life and material. But your soul isn't going to do that. You're not going to come back as a dog. You're not going to come back as a cat. You're not going to come back as a lion. You're not even going to come back as you. I believe there is a resurrected body, but I don't believe that it's human. (laughs) I don't believe that it's going to have all the corruption of self, ego, to deal with it, or to have then to deal with. And I think if there is anything that might come back in that way, in the purest of sense, it would be Jesus. But I'm not even sure Jesus is going to come back except for the sake of those of us who are alive now beginning to try to understand this very difficult thing that the Word of God puts in much better terms than I could ever put into or even attempt to describe psychologically. That's my expertise in material knowledge. That's my 
avocation and profession materially is the psychological, the psychological counseling, as then would be turned to specialized pastoral care or Christian counseling. But the notion of it is, I can't even explain it because there's no words really to put on it. <laughs> Eco-death sounds new, it sounds fascinating, but it comes back to the reality. Everybody's going to die physically. Everything that is of physiological or psychological as part of the physiology or humanity construct Especially because beyond the physiological, if it's construct, you've made it up. It is a cunningly devised fable. And that's no good. It's going to pass. It's going to perish. It's not going to endure forever. Why? Because God never intentioned it to do that. What he's intentioned us to do is accept Jesus, once we claim it, separate it from all of the other corruption that is in the world, give it to Jesus. Now, the long-suffering part, certainly we can understand that too. And there's many that, as with this chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3, there's many that are going to fall away along the way because they're going to give up. They're going to maybe not get the full message. They're not going to see Jesus as why God sent his son Jesus. So we could see it so clearly. Because though a day may be as a thousand years with God, and it may seem that we've got eternity or thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, and maybe there's a benefit to that to not think so much about ourselves in more imminent or immediate sort of terms as to allow the fear of the impending end when life will end and soul will end in this way we're talking about it. But it may also be that even if you're looking forward to it, it can be forever. A second can seem like an eternity. People will say that. Don't know if it's true or not. But their life passes before their eyes. When they get to that point of seeing their death, their entire life. Historically so. And up to that moment, all that's made them who they are. Psychosocial, environmental, whatever state the world might have been in at the time. But it all passes before their eyes in an instant. I think the concept of time, and certainly Peter's capturing it, is irrelevant. Except people give up. <laughs> it takes a long time. People want it now. They want to see proof of it now. They want to experience it now. And there's no shortcut to it. You have to go through it and the dimensions of time because you are human, because you have a human soul. And God wants to save you, your human soul, as much as there's no question about the divine nature, the preservation. And that's what I was trying to capture. Whether you see it as I might, that once God breathed life into Adam, it's persisted or continued throughout generations and 
And maybe that is just that he did not give us the power of life in the sense of life and death he created, but we're an instrument of his preservation of at least human soul, human life, and the opportunity for that to play itself out generation to generation. In material regard, a man and woman come together and conceive of a child. I still think that's spiritual dimension. I still believe the Holy Spirit would be then in that child. I believe that is therein with innocence. Why? <laughs> They're preserved. And I also believe with innocence, the purest that we might see of the mind <laughs> and lacking corruption, or even so, without all this that goes into ego and as it is therein, as I'm trying to capture it, part of the corruption, there's that innocence. And a child is innocent, but it doesn't take long. (laughs) And then they have to make a choice. Not only to shake off (laughs) the corruption of the world around them, but in realization there is corruption, hopefully, come to an awareness of something greater and grander. And all of that's done with the help of the Holy Spirit. So whether you believe, as I might, that it is in them, or whether you're inclined to still see it as with the day of Pentecost, upon accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, it comes down upon you, that's okay. I think Peter was capturing it. I would see more historical terms. But if it seems like it falls down upon you, that's okay. At least we have concurrent validity. There is a Holy Spirit. And we begin to, with insight and awareness, all of a sudden begin to realize. To experience Him, we have to die. Die to self. But there's no dying to self except that you would then find yourself in that way in Jesus Christ or the means to Finding yourself as you were lost before and now you've come to Christ. That is who you're supposed to be, is Jesus. And the more you are as in Jesus, even human persona, but recognizing you are one with Christ in Holy Spirit aspect, that's the only way to saving your mortal soul. It's the only way to saving you. Self, that ego death is of God. That ego death was intentioned. That ego death is part of the saving. God gave us all of this psychologically. Coming to self, choosing to give yourself certainly in Christ, to Christ, then with the purpose of giving yourself to others so that you may be as Christ, serving the more eternal purposes of the Holy Spirit, not self. But should you even think it's a good idea and be aspirational to do that without Jesus, it won't work. And if there is going to, once again, be any resurrection, it's probably not going to be of the body, at least not you. It will be Jesus. And if there is a marriage which there is, in word of what is in human regard eventually the end and then in 
material as with all of humanity and then with the individual human regard, it's going to be one and the same. And I do believe that's what Peter is speaking to. Now for those of you who might be familiar with the podcast, I usually like to give you the answer first and then I like to go back and sort of backfill a bit to how you, tell you how we get to the answer or if it's a message as with again instruction, preaching, or if it's a message as with encouragement, if it's a message as with discipleship and it comes from the word of God. It's anointed. We know that because the Holy Spirit anointed those that otherwise wrote the word that we now receive as the word of God as we then see it in biblical dimension. It inspires life. It brings life to us. But it doesn't emphasize the death It emphasizes the resurrection. It emphasizes the breath of life again in Jesus Christ and the greater glory that we all hope for. So I'm going to go to 2 Peter 1 just to punctuate that. Verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are giving, un, given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do, do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be diligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet 
as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath shewed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, where unto you do or ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the dawn, the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. Peter was... <laughs> sort of given instructions as to the procession in psychological regard, I believe, which is really only to say in human understanding and awareness and insight, and with that idea of ego death in mind, he gave us the steps. Maybe not so directly instructional, but how could you miss that? Because this is what it looks like to rightly die. This is what it looks like with the Word of God knowledge of how God has intentioned it. This is what it looks like not only in terms of all of humanity from Adam to the second coming of Jesus Christ, but even in an individual's life, from, from your Genesis to your book of Revelation, your individual life is the pattern that God has chosen for all of humanity. And the same way that Jesus saves you as an individual, he saves all of humanity. Maybe it is one individual at a time, but even in a more cumulative sort of aspect, all of us together, representative of the human race, species, he saves us all as then with the bride of Christ, as then the second coming of Jesus, as in reconciliation of individual to cumulative, to the general, and then as to the whole 
of us, maybe it's generationally. Maybe it's still, if you're blessed enough, blessed enough to be one of those when Jesus comes again and you get to experience in that sort of imminent way the second coming of Jesus and therein the marriage feast of the Lamb that we will all partake of, I believe. But it's right at the moment you happen to also be human. It's not going to be any different than those that have gone before. It's just time. (laughs) Time saves is part of God's way of saving. It doesn't save us, but time gives us time (laughs) to understand salvation. But a day is as a thousand years. A second could be a lifetime, (laughs) as I mentioned earlier, tried to give example of. And maybe as much the Bible would certainly tell us, it is eternal and we're really living in eternal dimensions. But it takes, whether it's a day, a thousand years, a moment, for salvation to come, it's the same salvation in Jesus Christ. Peter just breaks it down a bit. For those of us who otherwise still have presumably a ways to go before either the end of our time. And that's what Peter's talking about in 2 Peter chapter 1 is his own death, his own ego death. He's reflecting upon it. And he does remind us, God has promised us as with prophecy, if we allow him to finish his work as once again, I'm going to reread it here. These different sort of representation of stages, maybe instructions as to what to work on, maybe just so that we would understand that in its entirety, if you don't give up along the way, if you're patient, if the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit is there beginning with that notion of patience or long-suffering, God's going to finish the work. That's the prophecy. That's the promise. It will work. You just have to resist the temptation to try to save yourself, (laughs) preserve yourself. And though you can come up with a million ways to Sunday to lie about that to yourself and possibly others and try to convince others in some way that you really are doing this the right way with some element of altruism again, nobility. You're not anything more than a sacrifice. And though sacrificing is important, you're not a martyr. (laughs) You, You might be a martyr. But you cannot save anybody out of martyrdom. That's what I want to say. It won't work. You won't live again out of martyrdom. And if you're just still trying to preserve you in human terms, your ego, you give up now. It's not going to work. It's futile. It'll be hell. Very, you'll wrestle. Rest. W-R-E-S-E. And you may leave, leave. You may lead and therein leave others to a path of destruction along the way. And besides this, giving all diligence, 
Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the study of all of these things that Peter is exhorting and encouraging us to do. And I mentioned it as with read read Scripture chapter 3 in Scripture about the primary source witness Peter was. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he indeed, indeed did see Christ transfigured. And maybe that would be a good subject for another podcast, what he saw that day. But what he saw that day was the basis of his testimony in the second epistle. But that is what he's speaking of. He's speaking of that divine power that pertains unto godliness comes by courage. And in that, a commitment of your character or your virtue, albeit unsanctified, Hopefully, most of it again, as would then be the Holy Spirit in you attempting, if you would permit him to manifest Christ, you're with knowledge then, the recognition of who Jesus Christ is, and then also the message of not only imminent salvation as the minute you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are saved because the divine nature has been therein restored to preeminence and prominence in your life. And with that, his intention, the Holy Spirit, God's intention as in the Holy Spirit giving us, breathing into us the breath of life, His intention is to complete the work. But it must pass through Jesus Christ. And as he lived his life, as with living word context, that's what Peter's speaking to. We know the promises of God. And should you not, Peter captures them in the earlier part of this very specific chapter. But the word of God is the promise of life eternal. The awareness of the need for Jesus Christ establishes then the knowledge sufficient. (laughs) Yeah, I need to die to myself. But I need to do it the right way. And with that, because the word is anointed and 
It isn't a cunningly devised fable. It has escaped then the corruption of the world because it's been set aside and though in you, wherever that might be or as it might be throughout you, I don't know, or you would prefer to see it coming down from heaven, that's okay too. But it's not corrupted. And we're glad of that because it's out of that seed that we begin to see the full manifestation of Christ. But knowledge means you have at least sufficient understanding to cooperate and to allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. But if you get to that point, then as with additional assists, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as with your comforter, as in leading you into all knowledge and understanding, as your guide, your encourager, as with the source of whatever guidance or encouragement I would give, either in the preaching or as with the counseling. It's out of the Holy Spirit. My intention is to submit my ego, ego death, to the Holy Spirit so he can speak through me and I can remind you, as I'm attempting to do, as I would do in the counseling context, I'm attempting to do on the podcast today, of really what the Word of God is. But I'm also going to ask you to be temperate. Now, is temperance patience? No, but I think patience allows you to be temperate because you're not going to be at least contentious. And it's going to settle a bit, whatever the psychological dimension of fear is that creates such the hell that we go through and why many of us refuse to accept the ego death and therein the right way to die to self in Jesus Christ and then would eternally be damned to hell of our own choosing, not God's, by the way. But temperance is that ability to sustain that over a period of time. But what is, again, time? It could be seconds. It could be thousands of years. Time is irrelevant to God. And it may change the concept, the measure of that, as in regards to eternity, may change for us, depending on where we are and our perspective at the time. But we need to understand that's the more solid foundation for our temperance than is any sort of human calculation or without the Holy Spirit to aid us, to help us, or Jesus. We can't do that properly. But if you do have temperance, you're going to manifest patience. But if you manifest patience, you give God time to do His work. And you're not confounding it or so much wrestling with it yourself and others along the way that if it's a quick work he wants to do, (laughs) you allow him to do it quickly. But if it is, then don't be surprised if you allow him that you'll begin to manifest godliness. And what is godliness? Nothing less than Jesus Christ, but in the same way, nothing more than Jesus Christ, but in all way, in the Holy Spirit. 
But if you can do that, then you can rightly help others. Why? Because you've been saved. And now, in saving you, or having yourself saved, Jesus saving you, God, you're allowing God to save you. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Oh, death, where is thy sting? There is no sting. There is no fear. Perfect love casts out fear because, as John would tell us, or tells us, fear hath torment. And that really is the end. Because once you go there, God can not only finish his work, you can minister to others, but you'll know the fullness of God's love. God loves you. You come to salvation in Jesus. Then you love others. And should you even attempt to love others without coming to Jesus, it's still going to all be about you. And in the end, if it's all about you, if it's selfish, it's going to go the way of the worm. It's going to go in the compost pile. It's going to be Second Peter chapter 3. And... and it's going to have all kinds of torment. Nobody wants to think that that's all we are. But that's all we are if we aren't Jesus or in Jesus. And then one with Christ. Not only individually, but that's all we're ever going to be in our humanity. And it will never end up with heaven. <laughs> Because there will always be wars and rumors of wars and contentions and fights and struggles. But I think Peter's also capturing, though, time is okay and going through all these stages. All of us probably have to continue to do that not only once but regularly. But if you get good at it, as in practiced, as in submitting as in ego death then it doesn't take as much and God gets you there a lot sooner and maybe the day will come not only will it manifest itself totally as with from within your heart as Peter captures it but even as we didn't read it on the podcast today but Peter referenced it that's what the mountain transfiguration is all about One day, we will all be turned to spirit. And one day, we're going to leave this body. But it was also Peter who did not want to come off the mountain, or as he was coming off the mountain, did not want to rightly admit, but you got to die to self. But if you do it the right way, which is the only way to eternal life... You're going to glorify God. You're going to find not only godliness, but you're going to find the, the abundance of his charity. His love as unto you. And then you share that with others. And then you're Jesus. At least you are, as in the Holy Spirit, a manifestation of Christ. You have that that you can offer to the world. And then you too are an ambassador of Christ. You too are a disciple. 
You too can disciple others. You too can minister the word. You too and the Holy Spirit can go about this great work of reconciliation. My claim, so to speak, to fame, if I could call it that, is I just went to school to study a bit more of the human operation and with that have a bit more specialty. And I'm not saying anybody else can't have that or doesn't have that even if they don't go to school. I'm just saying, though, that's where I've been placed in the body. And in many ways, people will come see me before they'll come to see a pastor. For various reasons, whether they're believers or not. And I have this great opportunity to minister to even humanists without their taking too much offense. Because <laughs> I know all these great terms like ego death. And as much then that appeals to some more than the King James charity or referencing Peter or Paul or any of those that God has chosen as would be then the source of his word as given unto us in the Bible. Authors, prophets, disciples, apostles, ministers. I'm just part of the body. But sometimes people will let me say things if I say them in the right sort of way that somebody else can't say because there's a stronghold. And my intention is to lead everyone to Christ. <laughs> so, and I don't withhold that. I don't try to hide that. I don't try to cover that up. I am quite open <laughs> disclosing, if you can't tell, that I believe in Jesus. And that I believe the only way to eternal life is in Christ. But at the same time, though, they'll trust me because I don't come at them too quickly with that. And with that, I also respect their choice. If they don't want Jesus, I'm still going to do everything I can to give them Jesus. Why wouldn't I? Even if I can't mention Jesus, it is in that same way of the Holy Spirit. And I'm hoping one day they too <laughs> come to an awareness, a knowledge of Jesus Christ. It just may not be in the moment that I'm with them, in with them. But I can only count on that because others, such as yourself, who maybe don't do what I do in that particular lane that I'm running in as a psychological counselor, you've already told them of Jesus. And I'm part of that same voice resonating, I'm hoping, that <laughs> message resonating, of Christ to the world. God has a way of getting his way. <laughs> and he's going to use us all in unique ways to that end. But should you feel a bit more comfortable talking to me even as a believer rather than your pastor or going to folks in your church, feel free to do that. <laughs> should you perchance be somebody who's lost. I've given, <laughs> told you what my real intentions are and I give that full disclosure. I mean, the practice called the Word House, and I have my doctorate, particularly of the ministerial, counseling psychology. I have my diploma on the wall. I tell people I'm a Christian. I don't proselytize, and I don't pressure them. I, they just know. But should they be offended, they can leave. But in the same sort of way, should somebody be listening right now who's lost, 
Hopefully I'm not offending you. But if you don't know Jesus, and I can be part of that, I want to be part of that. And we're going to pray for you. And we don't have to do the work. We just have to call you into remembrance and allow the anointed word as we're giving it to stir up the gift. God does the work. He's already got it all established. We just have to harvest. Sometimes we plant the seeds, or at least seemingly so. But God's planted the seed. We just have to do our part to tend it and to minister to it. With that in mind... That's why we do. What is covenants? Specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry. And why I would invite you not only back to the next podcast, but should you want to reach out to us or me, you can call me. 304-528-9220. You can find us at covenantsonline.com. You can email at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com and yes we do have a Facebook presence and you can go there and catch a lot of links that we have befriended and with that as well we post things and all of that is again intentioned to really help you to realize it's okay to die to yourself It's okay to embrace the concept of ego death. Just do it the right way. Do it in Jesus Christ. And should you want to join us uh, once more, I want to invite you back to our next edition. In the meantime, sincerely, be blessed. Bless others. And just know that God loves you. Until we get a chance to meet again, thanks.